Before we begin today's episode, if you'd like to be part of the Facebook group associated with Bart's podcast, go to Facebook and search for Humanize Me. There's also a link on Bart's Facebook page under Bart Campolo. Click join, and that's it. We'll see you there. You're listening to Humanize Me with Bart Campolo. Welcome back to Humanize Me. I am Bart Campolo. This is my podcast. And I know it's late. What can I tell you? This is, it's just ridiculous. And and it's not for a lack of trying. The bottom line is this week I have been overwhelmed with emails from the last episode. Yeah, the one I did with Marty where we talked about, is it, am I being too soft on Christianity? Now, I know it's my fault. I know I asked for people to write in. I asked for a response. I said, please let me know what you're thinking. But you know what? I got to think it wouldn't even have mattered. That episode hit a nerve, and I was just flooded with emails, really emotional ones. And I've been trying to respond. if, If you haven't heard back from me, you will soon. But my goodness, you know. Uh, I shouldn't say they hit a nerve. I, I, it evidently hit a bunch of different nerves because some people wrote and said, that's right, man, attack. Like you, you got to go after this bad theology stuff. You know, don't go after the people, but go after these bad doctrines. You know, I got heard from a number of people who said, listen, you, I appreciated hearing you talk because, you know, you validate me and you validate all the other hurt people. Um, people whose lives really got screwed up by this stuff. You know, a lot of people are writing saying, please protect kids. Do what you can to protect kids from going through what I went through. Um, You know, women who, who felt that they had to submit and, and, and people that were scared about going, that they were damned to hell for, for all sorts of stuff. Gay people wrote to me and said, man, this totally messed me up. All these bad doctrines, all this, original sin and hellfire and damnation and so that you know that the, the, you know one person said listen when i was a little girl they taught me that christian stands for christ comes first and i am nothing i am i am nothing and she said man that did a number on me another person said listen my niece writes me birthday cards in which she says she's so worried because she doesn't want me to go to hell and she says, she's not even 12 years old and she's worrying about that stuff. And so these, these people are like, man, pour it on. But then there were just as many or maybe even more people that wrote and said, wait a second, stop. Don't go there. Stay cool. Stay cool. They were like, please keep focusing on this positive stuff. Please keep focusing on building communities and giving people tools to connect with their Christian family and friends. And that's the way you protect kids is you create a space that, that draws their parents, that draws them into a, a space where they can experience all the good stuff of fellowship and all the good stuff of purposeful living and all the good stuff of sort of intentional goodness without that harmful doctrine. I mean, it was funny. One guy, he was so poignant. He said, listen, 
I've been hurt as bad as anyone. And then he described just the wacky stuff that he went through as a result of being raised in kind of evangelical fundamentalism and, and sort of buying it hook, line and sinker and just how much it hurt. And then he said, as much as I've been hurt though, he said, there's lots of people out there attacking that stuff. You don't need to be one of them. You, 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 what you're doing is different. What you're doing is, I, I'm so, that negative agenda has just hurt me and turned me off almost as bad as the bad doctrines has. And this stuff has given me hope. So please don't, don't go there. One woman wrote and she said, listen, and this was, it made me feel so good. She said, I think of you as kind of the Ellen DeGeneres of secular humanism. You know, because if you remember kind of where the LGBTQ rights movement was when Ellen burst onto the scene, um, there was a lot of militancy and there was a lot of anger and there was a lot of fear on the part on the part of straight people that had never known gay people. And Ellen burst on the scene, not saying I'm queer and I'm here and you got to deal with me, but rather just going like she just was there just talking about her life and talking about her relationship and talking about the movie stars she liked. And, and she just seems so warm and so friendly and so normal. And a lot of us would say that she probably did more good for that movement and for all of us by just being there than if she'd have been attacking. And, and this woman was like, listen, you know, I feel like you're, you're on the Ellen trail and you need to stay there. And, uh, and then there were a lot of people that wrote and said, I'm torn. I'm, I'm really torn. I see it from both sides. I, I, I know the trouble and I've been hurt by the stuff, but I got friends and family over there and I don't want to hurt anybody. And I don't think it does much good. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and, and so, I mean, for those of you that are worried, don't worry, because as much as, as, as much as I may have sounded angry last week or, or like I'm ready to go on the attack, I'm not because I know better. Um, I, I know that we're sort of in a niche that not a lot of people are in this kind of, you know, trying to portray kind of the joyful quality of, of the secular life and, and it was funny because like one woman wrote and she said, listen, I don't care what you do, but just cut out that tone. Cause you sound like a preacher. You sound like you're trying to be one of those charismatic leaders. And she's like, that, that gives me the creeps. Cause I got hurt by a lot of those leaders and I don't want, I don't, I don't think this whole humanistic mute movement needs to have any leaders like that. And I got to tell you, like sister, I hear you where you're coming from. But there, I don't think there's any alternative to leadership. I mean, every movement, every great organization, every company, every school, every human enterprise that I've ever seen do any lasting good has had leaders and inspirational leaders. Um, you know, it's funny. I was reading a, a book a few, a few years ago um, that quoted Karl Popper, who was this kind of amazing scientist and, and philosopher and political philosopher. And, and Karl Popper said, like, you know, the thing you got to worry about in politics, he said, everybody's trying to come up with the right political system to, to choose the best leaders or to figure out who should rule. And he said, that's a bad question. He said, the real question is, how can we ensure that when we have a bad or an incompetent leader that we can prevent them from doing too much damage that we can get rid of them easily. 
Um, he said, look, people are corrupt and they'll be corrupted. So the real question is, how do you get your leaders out? And I, I think that, you know, trying to figure out like, how do we pick the best leaders? Obviously, like we can't even pick the best candidates these, these days. Um, but Popper said the, the real key was, you know, you got to have leaders, but some of them are going to go bad and some of them are going to get corrupt and you got to get rid of them. And what I would say is it's the same in kind of religious communities, whether they're secular humanist communities or, or Christian communities or wherever kind of community you have, you got to have leaders, but some of them are going to go bad and then you got to get rid of them. We got to figure out ways to, to kind of help people learn the signs of a, of a, of a megalomaniac or of a person that can't be trusted or of a person who's gotten corrupted by power. But uh, I'm afraid I, I, you know, if you say like, but are you, are you sort of saying you're trying to be a leader? And I go like, I, I kind of am. I, I hope there are a lot of people trying to be leaders because I know, I, I mean, I always say that like everybody needs to go to a good party, but not everybody can throw one. And there is a role in our kind of, in the tribes that we're building there's a role for somebody who can kind of inspire people to, to adopt a new way of thinking or to, or to consider a new direction. And I, I, I mean, I guess I'm trying to be one of those guys. And, you know, it's funny. One thing that everybody who wrote in said was give me some of that Robert Ingersoll guy. I like him. People kept writing and saying, well, where, where's that book? And I, I'll tell you, I found the book I quoted from was a book called uh, Ingersoll the Magnificent. And it's a collection of his writings uh, by a guy named Joseph Lewis. And I, I, I found a PDF of it online. And I'm going to put, a, if you go to bartcampola.org, which is where you go for anything about me, if you want to find out about counseling and coaching, or if you want to find out where I'm going to be speaking or any of that kind of stuff, bartcampola.org. But under this week's episode, I'm, posting a link to that book where you can get it for free and uh, check it out yourself. But yeah, Ingersoll inspired a lot of people. And I actually, this isn't going to be the longest podcast in the world because uh, I got another one ready to drop on Monday that you're going to really like. It's a cool conversation one um, where I have a conversation with a woman named Irshad Manji, who I just think you're going to dig. But in the meantime, I did want to just I did want to talk to the people that wrote to me and thank them for writing, but also to reassure them. Um, and, and so everyone was asking about Ingersoll. So I thought, okay, I got an Ingersoll quote for you that I think is a really germane. It's a little bit of a long quote, but, but bear with me. I think you're going to dig it. And, uh, and I'll wrap it up with this. It's called Ingersoll's vow. And, uh, and here's what he says. When I became convinced that the universe is natural, that all the ghosts and gods are myths, they're entered into my brain, into my soul, into every drop of my blood, the sense, the feeling, the joy of freedom. The walls of my prison crumbled and fell. The dungeon was flooded with light and all the bolts and bars and manacles became dust. I was no longer a servant a serf or a slave. There was for me no master in all the wide world, not even an infinite space. I was free, free to think, to express my thoughts, free to live my own ideal, free to live for myself and those I loved, free to use all my faculties, all my senses, free to spread imagination's wings, free to investigate, to guess and dream and hope 
free to judge and determine for myself, free to reject all ignorant and cruel creeds and all the inspired books that savages have produced and all the barbarous legends of the past, free from popes and priests, free from all the called and set apart, free from sanctified mistakes and holy lies, free from the fear of eternal pain, free from the winged monsters of the night, free from devils, ghosts, and gods. For the first time, I was free. There were no prohibited places in all the realms of thought, no air, no space, where fancy could not spread her painted wings, no chains for my limbs, no, no lashes for my back, no fires for my flesh, no master's frown or threat, no following in other steps, no need to bow, to cringe or crawl, or utter lying words. I was free. I stood erect and fearlessly, joyously faced all worlds. And then he goes on. I mean, he starts out there. He says, listen, this freedom that he describes, he describes this freedom of thought. And I think that a lot of us take it for granted, the ability that we have to, to think our own thoughts. You know, sometimes after we have been liberated from some of this bondage of thought, we get used to it and we think like, why can't everybody think like this? We forget what it was like to be in those, in those prisons of thought. And he says, boy, when I, you know, the joy I felt, he, he just, he just says it so beautifully, but then he goes on. You see, because I think, and I think he goes on because, well, let me just read what he says. He says, and then my heart was filled with gratitude, with thankfulness, and went out in love to all the heroes, the thinkers who gave their lives for liberty of hand and brain, for the freedom of labor and thought. To those who fell on the fierce fields of war, to those who died in dungeons bound with chains, to those who proudly mounted scaffold stairs, to those whose bones were crushed, whose flesh was scarred and torn, to those by fire consumed, to all the wise, the good, the brave of every land, whose thoughts and deeds have given freedom to the sons of men. And then I vowed to grasp the torch that they had held and hold it high, that light might conquer darkness still. I know, I know, it's, 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 old, it's old fashioned thinking, it's old fashioned language, but boy, to me it's just, it just inspires me. Because he says, look, this freedom that I had, it came at a price. You know, sometimes when we see people that are, that are still in bad ways of thinking, we think like, oh, they're stupid or, oh, why they're so, they're so timid or they're so fearful. But what, you know, what Ingersoll knows is like, look, I got liberated. See, other people had to fight and work and suffer and study and think and write so that I could be free. I mean, most of us, those of us that believe in evolution, did you figure that out for yourself? Those of us that believe that the, the, the universe doesn't revolve around the earth, but rather that our planets and our little solar system revolve around the sun. 
and we're part of a huge galaxy. Did you figure that out for yourself? Did you just go out and look up in the sky? Nah. Now people, Copernicus fought for that. He didn't just fight by thinking and studying and, 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 and keeping track and, and Heschel, Herschel and all these great astronomers and all these great scientists. They, they, it isn't just that they did the, the, the mental work, but then they suffered. They were, they were reviled by their, by their friends and neighbors. The, 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 the most wonderful spiritual people of their day told them that they were, that they were an abomination. Some of them were killed for their thoughts. Think about Darwin. What it cost him, what it cost him to write The Origin of Species, to change the course of the way we all think that way, what it cost him to put that stuff out there in terms of his own marriage, in terms of his friendships with other people. I mean, if you read his journals, man, it was not an easy slog for him. And that's before you get to the suffragettes or the civil rights folks or the LGBT activists, all these people that made it possible for us to think the thoughts that we're thinking. You know, the idea that the universe, the Big Bang, the idea that we're all evolving, the idea that we're part of something so vast and so miraculously improbable. And I would have never figured that out. All of us that think freely, we stand on the shoulders of men and women who made it possible for us. And so when we look back or to the communities that we came out of, or when we look at, at supernatural list people, superstitious people, no matter how, how difficult they may be, we, we got to look at them. We should be thankful that we're free, not feeling superior to them. Because honestly, none of us are free by our own doing, not physically free and certainly not mentally free or spiritually free. We're not free by our own doing. We are the beneficiaries of lots of other people making it possible for us to, to not only think the way that we think and podcast the way that we podcast, but not to get killed for it. Yeah. We ought to be thankful, not superior. We ought to be compassionate, not hostile. Ingersoll, the next page of this book, it's, it's, it's a different thing, but I, it's funny. The next thing I read after I read that vow was his little creed. He says, happiness is the only good, reason the only torch, justice the only worship, humanity the only religion, and love the only priest. The place to be happy is here. The time to be happy is now. The way to be happy is to help make others so. And then he says, I belong to the great church that holds the world within its starlit aisles, that claims the great and good of every race and clime, that finds with joy the grain of gold in every creed and floods with light and love the germs of good in every soul. I love that. I mean, listen, the part of it I love the most is that, is that just that throwaway line, justice is the only worship. Hey, I hope if you're listening to me today and if you're in this kind of let's build a community of, 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 of secular goodness, let's, let's gather people together and come up with, with a way of life that causes people to flourish and thrive and let's reach out to other people and draw them into it. If you're in on all that with me, man, 
man, we got some good stuff ahead of us. But the thing to remember is, is that we got to be grateful to the people that came before us. And the way that we show our thanks, the way that we worship, if you will, the, the truth about the universe is to make it possible for other people to experience that freedom as well. Justice is the only worship. And I guess what that means for me right now, and hopefully for a lot of you is, is that we're going we're gonna to try to figure out how to engage with people in the way that, not the way that makes us feel the most superior or that makes us feel the most kind of like satisfaction of crushing somebody else's dream, but rather we're going to try to figure out how to conduct ourselves in the way that attracts the most people into the light of truth, that attracts the most people into the love of human fellowship, that attracts the most people into a community in which we learn to love each other for goodness sake. So yeah, you're just going to have to forgive me. I mean, part of the reason I sound so breathy and, uh, and so earnest tonight is because it's really late in my apartment and my wife's asleep in the other room and I'm trying not to wake her up. And so that makes me sort of get quiet and breathy. But the other part is, man, after reading all these emails, I mean, I guess I'm just so in touch with the fact that like a lot of us have suffered to liberate ourselves and suffer still with kind of the, the baggage of that transition. And yet these same people are writing to me and saying, basically they're saying like, keep working, keep talking, raise your voice, but raise it humbly. We ought to be humble. And I guess after reading Ingersoll's words, I think, yeah, we ought to be humble because wherever we are in this journey, we didn't get here by ourselves. And, and even if, you know, you know, it's not just that it's, it's not just humbled by how we got to the truth, the truth itself. I mean, I'm humbled by the fact that I'm part of something so much bigger than my little life. I mean, sentient life. We're part of, we're part of the history of the universe. We're part of the history of the earth. We're part of the history of life. And then the special part of life that's sentient and then human and then post enlightenment. And like, I mean, you gotta be kidding me. This is so improbable. This is so wonderful. And I think that the, you know, the response to it, at least my response to it is, let's just keep going, but let's keep going with a spirit of humility. Um, and let's keep going with a spirit of rationality that says it might feel good to slash and burn sometimes, but that's not the way you liberate people. It's not the way most of us were liberated. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I guess I feel like, uh, Morpheus and Neo and the gang in the matrix, um, we got to be gentle even as we pull people into the light of reason and into the light of love and into the light of secular goodness. So yeah. All right. It's late at night. 
I'm in a room by myself with a microphone. I better cut this thing off before I start crying. I'll see you next time. For more information about the work of Bart Campolo, please visit bartcampolo.org. <laughs>